Hey, and welcome to Game Talk episode 28. I'm your host, Ammon Mion. I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Michael. I was going to cough here, but never mind. The first thing I want to talk about is probably one of the biggest games coming out towards the end of this year, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Guys, the more I hear about this game, the more I'm just kind of like jaw on the floor, like how is this possible? They're cramming every single thing they can into this game, it seems. Yeah, I haven't been this excited for a Smash Bros. since Brawl. Yeah, I don't think I've been this excited for a Smash Bros. ever. I mean, they're just going above and beyond. And the thing that would cap it all off, there's still quite a bit they haven't revealed yet. If they reveal a full-fledged story mode, it'll just be the end-all, be-all Smash Bros. game. Yeah, it'll, yeah. I, I just don't know how they can top that. Like, I can't, I'm I'm at the point where I can't think of any characters that I really, like, want them to add that they haven't already added. Like, there are characters, like, there are characters that I support if they're going to add more, but like they've got everybody. So let's just do a quick recap of the new fighters announced. First fighter announced was Ridley, right? Right. And Ridley has been, I mean, it's been sort of a meme in the Smash community to ask Sakurai to put Ridley in the game. And as we know, in the, le- in, the in the year of our Lord 2018, memes can be willed into existence. So uh, Sakurai always had the excuse Ridley's quote too big to put into Smash Brothers because he's a <laughs> it's a giant like space dragon. But, you know, that's a stupid excuse. So he finally broke down and shrunk him and put him into the game. Um well uh, there was any thoughts on Ridley? There was a tr- tweet recently. I'm glad he's more the Nintendo Direct that announced Smash Ultimate and everything or something like that. There was character reveals who said who made a joke about uh Danny Ridley never being in Smash. And let's just say he's never lived that down. I'm trying to find the Twitter post, but it's been drowned out by Bongo Cat and uh, how's that? <laughs> if you had asked me, like, if you had asked me several months ago if I thought Ridley would be in the game, I would say absolutely not. There's not a chance. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have believed it either. Just they said no so many times, you know? I, yeah. I didn't expect them to suddenly just change their minds. But uh, let's see, in addition to Ridley, we had uh, some Echo Fighters announced, which is a new concept, which is really confusing when you think about it. We already have clones in the game, and now we have Echoes, which are different from clones. Right, and they've only changed like one of the old clones into an Echo, right? Yeah, Dark Pit is now an Echo of Pit. Right, uh, but Dr. Mario isn't an Echo. That, which Dr. Mario is a wholly separate, unique character, apparently, which yeah. I, re- I don't really get. But uh, Daisy was announced uh, as Peach's Echo which I thought is cool. Uh, Waluigi was not announced, much to the well, anger he was announced as an assist internet. trophy. <laughs> right, but I just find it ridiculous. Like, Waluigi's the next thing that this fan base is going to will into existence, maybe as yeah. DLC, or maybe in the next Smash. The outcry over Waluigi was the one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like, hilarious. Why, does, why is this happening? He needs his own game. He doesn't need to be in Smash. He needs he to be the He star. doesn't need any of those things. He needs to be the main villain of Luigi's Mansion 3. He just... He can stick to his appearances in Mario Tennis and Mario Kart, and that's fine by my book. But what else? Let's see. Simon and Richter Belmont getting Castlevania representation in the Smash. Uh, that's that's pretty huge, I think. Um, any, any thoughts on them? Yeah. Uh, I was never that into Castlevania. But uh, I've always thought it was weird that they weren't included when, like, you have NES. Because I right, guess NES yeah. is a Nintendo IP. But, but well, the point you're making, Castlevania is a pretty... Yeah, I mean, it's well, a lot of people's favorite SNES game. Yeah, like, 
Metroidvanias, like Metroid and Castlevania. I mean, th- that's where that word comes from. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, then a couple other uh, additional echoes were announced in the form of um, Chrom and Dark Samus. Yeah, I'm going to have Dark Samus. <laughs> like, uh, that's probably going to be my main for a while at least. I don't think we need any more Fire Emblem characters, but... Nah, we didn't before this. <laughs> yeah, we have way too many Fire Emblem characters. There are as many Fire Emblem characters as Mario characters, I think. Which Are is you just counting Donkey Kong as a Mario character? In no, the I'm not. I'm not. Okay, but th- that's just like kind of crazy to me. Um, but anyway, th- uh, just looking at the way Krom plays, I think that's a very unique sort of echo because he's sort of a fusion between Roy and Ike, right? Um, which again confuses the definition of an Echo Fighter even more because this is he's not an Echo of any one character; he's an amalgamation of multiple characters. Right, which is so weird. But anyways, uh, one of the other big announcements was um, King K. Rule uh, was announced for this game. And that's another one fans have been wanting for the longest time, which I never thought really like there was a loud voice for, but apparently they were loud enough. See, I didn't care for King K. Rule until recently. I started playing the Donkey Kong Country games on my SNES Classic. I mean, he seems like a lot of fun to play. Yeah. And... Um, I actually found out in one of the Japanese surveys conducted for who should be in, uh, it was Smash Wii U slash 3DS, uh, King K. Rule was actually at the top of the poll for new fighters. So really? there's a pretty big clamoring for that character. Yeah, that was, uh, that's another thing. These Nintendo Directs, these Smash Directs are so well put together. They're oh, just yeah. like, they couldn't be more perfectly well put together. They have a complete understanding of how to troll the community and how and when to reveal certain things. They they're just bravo to whoever puts that together, which is it's probably Sakurai. That and the most recent else. Smash reveal of Isabella. Oh my didn't god! Kill any Smash characters, but it killed the hearts of every single Animal Crossing fan. Before reviving, before, before announcing, before and you immediately yeah. reviving us. Uh. So yeah, they announced the character first, then a new Animal Crossing, which I thought was a really funny thing. But yeah, we got Isabelle in the game, and that's the newest fighter we have so far. And what's funny about all this, Sakurai said when this game was first revealed, please don't expect too many fighters because we're bringing anyone back. We've already gotten quite a few fighters, like more than I thought we were going to get. I don't know that he was counting Echo Fighters as new fighters. And like, honestly, I'm fine if you just keep throwing Echo Fighters at me. I like them. Yeah, Echo... That fine by me. The more the merrier. I, I wonder wh- what do you guys think of the whole speculation that there's a whole like heroes versus villains theme for this game? I bought it for a while, but like I I don't know. I mean, adding Ridley for Samus and you know K Rule for Donkey yeah, Kong. It but def- that's it. it that definitely pretty much. I mean, I guess you have Dracula for Simon Belmont, but like a lot of other characters already have their villains in the game, though. Right, but I just don't think. I don't know. I think those were just highly requested characters that finally got in. It could be. We'll see. But a couple other like big things I wanted to touch on. There are over a hundred stages in this game, which is just crazy. Stages from previous games have gotten like HD remakes, except for the N64 stages in which the old like polygonal N64 style graphics were preserved for nostalgia's sake, which I thought was a cool touch. Yeah, I agree with that. 
But yeah, like when they first showed the character select screen in that direct, I was just like, are you serious? Like it was almost difficult to see all the elements on the screen because there were so many stages up there. Yeah, it's a lot. And you know what? I, I feel like that's not all the stages either because there's still new characters to be revealed and there has to be at least one stage per new character, I think. I don't know if one stage per new character, but per new IP referenced. Like, if I, they added well, Waluigi, he wouldn't get a stage. I Okay, yeah, that's true. And Skull Kid probably wouldn't get a stage because Majora's Mask already has one. But I still think there are new IP. I think there are new IP going to be in, like, I feel like at some point, whether it's DLC or in the base game, we, we have to get an ARMS character. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's... There's no Switch representation yet. Well, Cappy's in the game. Aside from Breath of the Wild, Link, but... You know, like you know what I mean. No new IPs from the Switch era. Splat- oh, Splatoon's not Switch. That's Wii U. Yeah, and Breath of the Wild's not Switch either. That's a port from the Wii U. I think it was more designed for the Switch. I think it was uh, not a port, but it was actually designed for both. Well, it was originally being designed for the Wii U, but then they kind of read the writing on the wall that Wii U's not the way to go. So yeah. they, yeah, they 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 shifted the majority of the development to Switch. But yeah, another thing going back to Smash Ultimate. Uh, something that maybe a lot of people might not care about, but really impressed and floored me was the amount of music in the game. Yeah, I think that's wild. And because this, it, they're not just taking tracks from other games; they're redoing the music. This music was like all of these performances were fresh performances for this game, which is just wild. There's over 28 hours of music in this game. Over. 900 music tracks yeah i mean that's just ridiculous that's just and it's all like, an obscene quality of music and most of it is amazing yeah i mean nintendo music is the best in the business you know yeah like no other music is able to evoke a certain ip or game as well as nintendo i would say like mario's theme i'd say short of koji kondo like or no grant kirkhope okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> two very very different in- individuals no, but yeah, no, like, you know, you, you hear Zelda theme, you know, it's Legend of Zelda. You hear, you hear Mario music, like Mario music is Mario music. That's the only way to describe it. Right. Uh, yeah. Very, very iconic music. And it, it like, I can totally see myself using the whole like iPod feature for that game. Like when they showed that girl, like putting the switch in her really? purse and just listening to music. Honestly, like on an airplane or something, I could totally do that. I see. I don't see myself doing that, but I do totally see myself like they usually give away on a disc or something. Like they'll do a Nintendo. They did a club Nintendo giveaway for Smash Four. What do you What do you guys think of the limited edition of the game? I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of I bummed want- that I already have a Switch and a con- Pro controller. Yeah, I don't have a pro controller, so I think I'm going to get the one that comes with that. They have uh, special Joy-Cons, too. Did you see that? Yeah. Have you guys seen the um, special GameCube controllers that they're selling? Yes. I actually already pre-ordered one because yeah, I didn't want to miss it. They're out. like, is it the one I of the ones? I pre-ordered the adapter. Oh, you <laughs> see, the adapter is not what I want. They, um, I at some point saw this. I can't find it again, but they were selling a GameCube controller that had a ZL button as well as a ZR button. Oh, that's cool. And it also had a C stick that. that you could replace with a big control stick. So, like, it could play every Switch game. And that's Nintendo made, not third party? I am almost certain that was Nintendo made. That's pretty cool. Um, do you guys have any opinions about the new modes they announced? I know um, they're, they're adding, like, 
just just a lot more nods to the pro community in general. That practice mode looks very legitimate. Right, yeah, the arc that it draws and everything. Yeah, it's like That's on graph huge. paper, so you can like see exactly how far each move and like what the trajectory will be if you do a light hit versus like a different hit. And I just thought that was really cool. And tourney mode is finally coming back. I don't think that was in Wii U in 3DS, was it? I don't think it was. And um that and a couple other game modes I saw I was really excited <laughs> for. Like um the game mode where it takes the entire roster and you just keep picking characters and every time you pick one it gets taken away and you can't pick it anymore. But yeah, there's that whole So there's one giant uh, mystery still to this game and that's whatever single player mode there's going to be. They have the classic mode. You mean that blur in the la- Nintendo Direct before the last one? So yeah, the, in- the internet detectives you know, took to that image and kind of de-blurred it and uh, allegedly it says spirits. So I have no idea what that could possibly mean. Um, if it has some kind of story connotation like then that would be cool because that would imply story mode. I'm excited for the new classic mode kind of because it's um, every character has their own specially designed classic mode instead of randomness. So that's that's kind of like melee, right? I don't remember. But um, the reason I'm excited for it is that uh, it like opens the door for speed running smash. Yeah, that's true. Which is interesting. Like I've already seen people getting excited about that. Yeah. Uh, just based off of what we've seen so far, do you guys have any ideas like who you'd want to play as mostly or who your mains would be? Shulk main. Shulk, really? Yeah, I was a Shulk main in 4. I'll be okay. a Shulk main again. I really like the look of Dark Samus. I've always liked playing as Samus, and uh, Dark Samus is just that, but cooler. Yeah, and plus her moves just seem more glidey mm-hmm. and like smooth. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but as for me... Uh, I mean, I'll have to go to my, like, Melee staples, like Fox and Falco, even though Falco hasn't really been good since Melee, in my opinion. (laughs) I always hold out hope that he'd become good again. But I'm definitely eager to try some of the new characters. Um, And also the Smash 4 DLC characters, because I never got the DLC. I've never tried any of those, like Ryu. Right, Bayonet is very fun to play as, and Cloud is overpowered. (laughs) I mean, let's be real, Bayonet is overpowered. Right, yeah. Like, extremely overpowered. Well, Bayonetta got nerfed pretty hard. Yeah, I, I, I just go, judging by, like, the tournament at E3, like, Bayonetta annihilated, like, whenever, the, like, the tournament match came up, whoever picked Bayonetta just, like, creamed the other person. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. But yeah, um, any, okay, so, like, one cool thing we can do is, yeah, we've had a lot of character announcements, we've had a lot of Echo announcements, who do you think is left? Um, I think Paper Mario has an okay chance. So, I don't know if this counts as spoilers, but there's been this image floating around of an alleged leaked character. And it hasn't been disproven yet, so it's yet to see if it's... You know, it's if it's going to be revealed in a direct. It's an Echo Fighter, and it's Ken from S- Street Fighter. Really? Which, I I, I guess uh, that makes sense. Another third-party uh, Echo, and Ken would be uh, an easy, relatively easy Echo of Ryu. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I feel nothing at that announcement. If that were to happen, I mean, I I'm not care. really a big Street Fighter. I mean, 
what am I saying? Like I've like never even played Street Fighter, so yeah, me neither. Um, but a lot of people are speculating that there's only two characters left based off the the box art on the collector's edition. Right. I don't think that that is a valid speculation at all because Nintendo's already shown that they none of that is set in stone. You know? Yeah, they, like the stock image of all the fighters, like they straight up just moved some of them around to make space for new fighters when yeah they were announced. But uh, considering that's true, a lot of people assume that the last two fighters are going to be Ken and Incineroar from Pokemon. I hope not. That yeah, would that would kind me. of be disappointing. Like those, like that, those two together would be incredibly disappointing. Yeah, I feel like there's not a single person alive who wants Incineroar, like who's sitting there, like pining for Incineroar. I know. To like, be is, if if you've got to add a Gen Seven Pokemon, like, come on, Decidueye. Yeah, he's so much cooler than Incineroar, but whatever. That's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, okay. So- I'm honestly more interested in the stages, um, and items. They haven't really announced a ton in the way of new items have they well i mean they update their like main their website right with new assist trophies and items and that sort of thing like every day like they have the daily updates but i haven't really looked into them too much because i i'm a try hard who plays with items off so you see i play with items on a lot and i think like like the smart bomb changed the way you play smash bros <laughs> yeah if you're playing with items on like that cuts off a whole section of the stage for a pretty long time Oh, another interesting thing. Um, there have been quite a few references to Majora's Mask in in the past few trailers, whether it be like an assist trophy or an item or whatever. A lot of people think Skull Kid's going to be announced. I don't buy it. You don't think? Wait, I thought you were in. I thought you thought he was a shoe in. You change your mind? No, I don't think Skull Kid has a move set for it. Like, because Skull Kid himself. Never did anything in Majora's Mask at all. Yeah. All he did was bring the moon down. Like, you don't ever fight Skull Kid. You fight Majora's Mask as a totally separate enemy. I mean, they gave Rob a moveset. Yeah, but Rob is like... Rob didn't appear in a game. Like, it just seems different. Like, Skull Kid... They'd be making it up completely. You know? True. They wouldn't be drawing on anything. Rob at least has, like, an aesthetic that makes sense for him to shoot lasers or something and, like, throw the tops because that was what he did as a toy. Do you think there's any chance of Skull Kid being some kind of Echo Fighter of someone? I wouldn't know who it would be of unless it was, like, Young Link. Yeah, that'd be kind of weird. Yeah, that would be what they'd have to do, like, Ganon. They'd have to just make him an Echo. But what about, like, the elephant in the room? The, um, the Echo Fighter of Bowser Jr.? No, I was going to say Goku. When are they going to announce Goku? <laughs> They're never going to announce Goku. I, I want know. it so bad. But. It's one of those things that the internet keeps asking for, which, like, that one I'm 100% sure will never happen, even, like, infinitely more than I was sure K. Rule and Ridley wouldn't happen. Because, come on. I mean, yeah. I love Goku as much as the next guy, but he's not a video game character. This is a game coming out in 2018. I, I could see it happening. God, that'd be so weird. They announce... So, anyway, the the other character I think has uh, some inkling of a possibility is uh, uh, Dr. Eggman being an Echo Fighter of Bowser Jr. See, I don't think... I don't know. I don't think Dr. Eggman's popular enough. Like, he's pretty iconic, but 
In terms of a fan base, who do you think has more of a fan base, Dr. Eggman or Shadow? I just feel like it'd be, I guess, but Shadow's such a lazy clone. I mean, but, like, that's, but that's the kind of, that's the whole point of clones, though. That's the whole Dr. point of the Eggman, Echo Fighters, that they don't have to pour resources into them. They can just kind of reskin them and call it a day, you know? Eggman could be a reskin, but also be way more original than a Shadow Echo Fighter would be. I agree with you, yeah. But I just don't think it's likely. Mm. I just Mike, want it so bad. <laughs> I know. Mike, do you have any predictions? Uh, well, at the end of King K. Rool's announcement, King K. Rool and uh, Donkey Kong hit each other like a certain scene from a certain anime. I was had to do with uh, seven balls that may or may or may not be related to dragons. I was absolutely thinking the same thing. I was just like, <laughs> this is literally just the same scene as Goku fighting Android Seventeen from it Super. <laughs> I was yeah. just, I don't know. I, I don't know. When it comes to Smash, the conspiracy, the, like, you can't really predict anything. I okay. mean, there, there are pages and pages of people literally picking apart what cushions were on the couch next to Sakurai and having that, like, pointing to that being like, look, it's a brown and green cushion on that couch. That means Skull Kid's coming. Like, and these people are not being ironic. Smash drives okay. people insane. Here's how it's going to happen. They're going to add the guy from Chrono Trigger into Smash, but he's going to have a skin that looks like Goku. That, I think that is actually quite possible. Like if they add um, a Dragon Quest or a Chrono guy. Yeah. Is his name Chrono? I have no idea. I think. I haven't played Chrono Trigger. I need to. I hear it's like one of the best games ever made. I have it and I haven't played it. And plus, Akira Toriyama's art style is always a plus. Right. But yeah, let's see. Are there any other characters? Like, I mean, there's just so many characters in this game already. I mean, there's over 70 right now. And I feel like everything already has representation that deserves representation. Now we're just kind of in the in the bottom of the well. Right. I mean, I don't have a big attachment to Animal Crossing, but like, was Isabel a big deal to you guys? Uh, Isabel was only a big deal because it wasn't Tom Nook, and Tom Nook has been supporting that franchise for 17 years, and he deserves representation over that dumb dog. <laughs> that dumb dog is a princess. Um, the only other kind of guess I want to hazard, the, the sort of novel the like gimmicky character like rob and like uh the wii fit trainer and that sort of thing do you think we'll get one of those for this maybe nintendo labo oh yeah nintendo labo is there yeah it'll be nintendo labo if we get one yeah because the moveset's obvious like they have the giant robot the cars the like I don't know. It's, it just seems I, I like think it's definitely the most a very choice. It'll be very smashy if they did that. Made that. It'll happen. be Nintendo Labo, and you'll be able to control it with Nintendo Labo. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Nah, there's no way that'll happen. I don't know. Sakurai's promise that this is the ultimate Smash game. Like every time I have expectations or set my expectations again, he blows past them. So, which we'll is why Goku's gonna get in. Yeah. Thank God. That'd be Emmett, what will you do if Goku gets announced? I mean, I would just be in a state of shock. I'd just be like, how, like, what kind of weird timeline do I live in where this is even possible? But that's one thing I'm positive will never happen. So I'm not even going to dwell on it. 
But yeah, do you guys have any final thoughts on Smash? I'm so excited for it. I'm hyped, but I won't get to play it for like eight months, so. I am excited for it, although it kind of comes bittersweet since like they kind of used it to market Nintendo online, which has been such a trash fire. It really is. I mean, but that's the thing. There's so much content in the Smash game. Like, even if I never played online, I'll have, I feel like I'll have plenty to do with it, you know? I agree. But yeah, okay, let's move on to our next topic, which, uh, Connor, I kind of wanted to do... A month ago. Yeah, I mean, we're back from a pretty lengthy hiatus, but when our previous episode came out, uh, you were talking about the imminent release of your upcoming game, Perspectrum, and... Now that game has been released for quite a while, um, I'm sure you've gotten feedback. You've worked on some post-launch stuff, like in terms of localization. Right, yeah, I've worked on some localization. Um, I actually made the intro area uh, a little bit easier, just like a little tiny bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple bugs here and there. So I just wanted to say, now that you successfully launched your first commercial video game, like, how do you feel? Like, how was the experience what would you change about it if you could change anything about it? That sort of thing. The experience was wild, uh, really, like the whole way right up until the end. Uh, but the weird thing was, once it was over, it was just kind of over. Like the only difference is I don't work on Perspectrum anymore now. Uh, I was just going to say, just so non-you know-developer people can get some context, how many man hours do you think was put into Perspectrum? Uh, it's probably in the tens of thousands. And how, how long would an average playthrough of Perspectrum be? Uh, three to five hours, probably. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's an insane number of hours. Like they, people say that if you do something for 10,000 hours, you will have mastered whatever that is, you know? Right. And I wouldn't we, say that I'm anywhere near being a, I might be a master of Perspectrum. Well, no, I mean, at 10,000 man hours, that's across your t- entire team, right? That wasn't all you. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, yeah, across my entire team, we're probably at 10,000. But it just goes to show that the, the level of just, grind and effort that goes into making any any game like it's it's an act of passion it, it's a it's a commitment and like you have to put all of yourself into it otherwise it's just not going to get done i overestimated we're not at, I, I just ran some numbers we're not at ten thousand hours but we're in the thousands that's i mean that's still extremely significant uh-huh. that's an extremely significant amount of time especially because you have a job you have right like, a job school, school you know yeah a so, social life. What do you think you would... Uh, is there anything you would change? Looking, Reflecting back on your experience making it? Really? I think I would try... I don't know. I My only issue is... I, the only thing I feel like I didn't learn from this project that I would like to have learned is how to manage a community or how to attract an audience. And I think that's what does I would that change. Go into like focus the, more on that. Does that go into like the marketing side of things? It does, yeah. And those are, I still, like, don't understand that at all. Like, I'm at the point right now where, like, if I have a game idea, I could sit down and start working on it on any aspect other than art assets. But, like, beginning to market a game is still Greek to me. I just don't understand it at all. What you need is a publisher. Right, yes. So you, so you said you added um, 
you fixed some bugs and added some localization support, right? Right. Well, uh, I'm working on that. That'll be done soon. And uh, after that's done, do you anticipate just being done with Perspectrum? Or is there like any thought of downloadable content or anything like that? Nah, I see myself being done. I don't imagine I'm going to do any more work <laughs> on it just, after that. You're, you're just tired. You're done? Yeah. As, I mean, as a learning experience, I imagine this whole thing was invaluable. Like, it must have... What I'm getting at is the next thing you attempt will be infinitely superior because of what you learned in Perspectrum, I feel right. like. Right. I definitely agree with that. And it'll come faster and better and just generally more competently. Well, that's good. Any sneak previews or ideas you're kicking around? Uh, not right now, no. I was working on a project for a little bit, but it kind of lost steam, so... Okay, well, I'm sure inspiration will hit you soon. Yeah. Okay, that that it's kind of a short segment, but I just kind of wanted to uh, address Perspectrum again now that it's finally out. Do you have anything else to add? Um, it's available on Steam, itch.io, and Game Jolt. That's Perspectrum, P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-R-U-M. Okay, cool. All right, our last topic for today is going to be talking about um, something very sad that recently happened in the industry. Telltale Games uh, has shut down. And not only did they shut down, uh, they shut down in the midst of working on one of their most beloved IPs, uh, the Walking Dead series. That studio, they, they let go of essentially everyone, and that series will now never be finished. I just kind of wanted to bring up Telltale Games and talk about them and maybe discuss how and why this happened. Uh, I remember when I first read the news, I was completely shocked. I had no idea like the situation was so bad over there. Apparently, they never even uh, turned a profit uh, in any game release past their first one. So only The Walking Dead Season 1 made the money. Everything else, they they, they took it at a loss. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. It, I wouldn't say I was surprised by it. I, I don't want to say anything bad about Telltale Games, really, or their work, but it just all seemed very mediocre to me, a lot of it. Like, they had their big IPs and all, but that was it. Like, there's no gameplay. And I don't... And, and that said, like, that's fine. You can have a game that isn't heavy on gameplay and just tells a story. But they had 300 employees doing that. Like, it just seemed like way too many people to be doing way too little work to me. See, what I think happened and this is just my opinion uh just my guess i feel like they were stretched way too thin they were working on so many pro like i feel like almost every other week i would read a new article saying telltale's working on you know a stranger things game telltale's working on a guardians of the galaxy game i'm just like where like you haven't released anything in a while you're just taking on more projects yeah but having more than like five to ten people on one of those projects seems absurd to me like they're just not big projects. I mean, we can't really speak to that without knowing how exactly they were working or any of that. I mean, I guess, but we can like, I uh, we can see like we've made games not totally unlike a Telltale game, and it's just not it's not code heavy, so they wouldn't have needed a whole lot of programmers for the entire company. 
and Much they less. definitely i think i think maybe from an engineering perspective they were lacking a little bit because a lot of their 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 engine was not exactly well renowned you know like the telltale engine was the butt of many a joke like it, it crashed off and it sputtered and like frame rate drops all over the place and it wasn't really a graphically intensive game so not really sure why that was going on i think it was just poorly optimized yeah the telltale engine has been the same thing since the beginning and they really have not had any wherewithal to get any to do any alterations to it. Well, supposedly they iterated on it when Batman season one came out, and it did look slightly better, but it it seemed largely the same to yeah. me. They really just kind of got lazy with the engine and just churned out game after game after game. Like I feel I like I just don't. It just seems like a lot of mismanagement of to me. Like it, people just got tired of the games because it was the same. Kind of, engine same idea just a different license because like when i looked at the when i looked at the telltale games i thought to myself like oh this game doesn't have to make a lot to like recoup its cost because they're very niche in my opinion um, you know there's not a ton they, they, of gamers they are very niche and um i think yeah i mean that's i think I, i'm not really sure how they spent so much money on each one but but they certainly did I mean, the licenses are very expensive, from what yeah. I've read. I mean, they were doing Game of Thrones, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Walking Dead. These are huge IPs, you know? Right, and I feel like they were saturating the market in that, like, I feel like there's just a, a lot of management things. Like, I feel like they missed that, like, there weren't, like, they thought that they were getting the Batman crowd with the Batman game and the Walking Dead crowd with the Walking Dead game. When I'm really, sure they second- were getting the Telltale crowd, and the Telltale crowd yeah. couldn't afford all these games that they were releasing. Well, I'm sure, to their credit, they were getting a small section of each, but it certainly wasn't enough. And um, another thing, speaking to the whole mismanagement thing, like, digging into this a little bit, there's a lot of, like, bad blood between the former CEO of Telltale Games, and apparently he sued the company after he left, and that, you know, drained them of cash even more. Like, it's like a whole mess from a management side of things, and I think that's a huge contributing factor to their closing down. They also, like, their employees had no idea this was coming. Yeah, no, it, it's so messed up. When Like, I read that people, like, walked into work and that day and they were like you have literally 30 minutes to clear your desk and leave the building like it was, yeah, it was and that's absurd no severance like, pay like they were just like kicked out onto the street which is just crazy to me and that's like i mean it's shitty that telltale's doing it but that's like classic game developer treatment like there's a lot of talk of unionization because this is like one of the largest scale things that's happened but like there's a class action lawsuit going against uh telltale right now um, a lot of, there's a, there's a movement, Telltale thinks it's going to be able to finish the, the next Walking Dead game. They think people are going to pick it up and make it. Yeah, I saw a that. Huge, there's a humongous movement to boycott it because of how they screwed the developers over. I'm hugely in favor of, uh, unionization and game development because they need, the, the conditions are just horrible. Yeah. And we, like we I, actually touched on that on an earlier topic, but it's, it's, it's just as relevant as ever. Like, because Telltale not only shut down, but it shut down even with, like, I've heard stories of humongous amounts of employee crunch. And crunch shouldn't be the normal. Like, crunch should be something that happens because somebody messed up. It right. should never be, like, expected. But yeah, no, I, I've seen, there are a lot of very warm gestures on Twitter coming from all sorts of game companies saying, like, 
like there there's a hashtag like hire telltale employees or something like that they're trying to scoop up everyone who was let go unceremoniously and i think that's a really nice thing to do yeah i love that but like i don't know all these jobs are just gone you know they're going to move into other companies but those are jobs that like fresh blood in game development like i i just don't have a chance for those jobs now you know like yeah i guess i'm probably not vying for the same jobs because it's mostly writers not a ton of engineers but still it's just insane this company going down is a tragedy i mean 250 right is that the number i thought it was like employees like 300 right yeah but it's 250 people were let go they kept some on oh yeah you know that sounds about right they want to keep cashing you know somebody has to still be around to cash in on the games they already made yeah because they're not filing bankruptcy, I don't believe. They're just shutting the doors. They just So they were on the final season of their Walking Dead series. They just released episode two, and now it's just done. Like, there's supposed to be five episodes to close out this season, and now it's just done. Which is a shame. I mean, like, the first Walking Dead game is what put them on the map. Like, that game won multiple Game of the Year awards, and, like, it was it, it, it was beloved. Like, it, it sort of revived the whole genre of adventure style point and click games like telltale and like what well yes i realize that there are others out there who probably do it better um telltale was they spearheaded that revival and credit should be given where it's due yeah i think this is also sort of a cautionary tale towards the episodic model because i'm sure there are a lot of people out there who bought episode one and two you know under the assumption they would be able to buy the rest of the game later yeah i don't know if it'd be smarter to just release the entire season netflix style and then have it be like yeah you can buy individual episodes if you want but it's all available right now i don't think that would work because the whole the whole point of the episodic model is kind of anti-consumer it's supposed to take some of the risk off of the publishing companies right like you know hey if this doesn't sell well we'll just discontinue it Instead of spending all that money to make an entire game, we'll only make a tiny bit of one. Well, they're still committed to making the rest of that season, so I don't really see the point of the episodic model, really. I mean, that's not necessarily true. They're not... I mean, they don't have a commitment. They don't have to. There's no legally binding... I don't think there would be any scenario in which they would be like, okay, we're just not making episode two or whatever. I mean, that's the idea, though, is that they could do that. That's the idea of the pricing model. Yeah, I guess I just don't realist- realistically see that ever happening, even if it sold like abysmally, which it, which apparently a lot of apparently a lot of them, a lot did, of them yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, I think I've played more Telltale games than either of you. I've played almost all of their series. I want to say, and my favorites were Tales from the Borderlands and uh, The Wolf Among Us. Uh, I thought, especially Tales from Tales from the Borderlands, I had no attachment to the Borderlands IP going in. Like, I before I played that game, I hadn't even played a Borderlands game, but I played it, and it was just, like, a really funny, epic space story, and I really, really, really liked it. The same goes for Wolf Among Us. Um, no attachment to, you know, apparently it was, like, a DC Comics offshoot thing called Fable. But I had no attachment to the characters aside from knowing some of the fairy tales that were based off of. Really interesting, compelling murder mystery story, which I would have liked to see a follow-up to, but now will never happen. Yeah, I've just never really been interested in Telltale games. I like a heavy narrative game, but I just never really... 
got it, I guess, with Telltale. I didn't really get why they were games instead of like a choose your own adventure book or something. Yeah, uh, I think, or a, even a visual novel. I think a little bit of gameplay would have gone a long way in their games because a I lot just, of their stories were really quite good. Yeah, and I, I don't know. The reason I play a game isn't necessarily for fun. Like, I'm not saying all games have to be fun and like action packed. I don't know. I would say all games have to be fun at a minimum. Like, why else would you not? Why else would you play a game? It'd have to be fun. I mean, not all movies are fun and they're fun to watch or they're enjoyable to watch. They're just not necessarily fun. And I think a game can meet that niche as well. But can you name a game that you enjoy playing that isn't fun? Uh, uh, what's it called? Papers, please. Okay. I like, I like papers, please, but I wouldn't call it fun necessarily. (laughs) Okay, that's that's an interesting concept. I don't think I've ever played a game that I don't consider fun on some level. But anyway, go on. Any anyway, the point of me saying that was I, I I think there's no reason they had to be games. Like there's no there's nothing mechanically that enhances the story. And I feel like if you're not doing something interesting with it, why are you doing it? And that's well, kind of my stance has always been on Telltale Games. So I've never like bought any of games them. Games as a medium, they're still so young and they're still kind of experimenting with what they can be. And this was just another form of video game. Um, granted, it obviously wasn't very popular, but it, it it was a niche form of like, hey, like like, like we discussed before in this show, for people that don't really game too often aren't really savvy with gameplay like and want to experience a good story these games are for them but you know there aren't enough of those people out there to turn a profit really seems that way um it makes me think like how you know life is strange and other games of this episodic narrative style are doing i feel like life is strange sold quite well but i can't be too sure i know hitman released episodically and it sold very well I actually thought it sold under their estimates. It sold well, but under their estimates, yeah. Because they were, um, they had released it episodically because they didn't expect it to sell that well, from what well, I understood. Hit- Hitman's kind of different too. It's not really a narrative based game. It's kind of, yeah. But but yeah, I don't know. Like, um, regardless, it, it's quite a shame what happened to those people working at Telltale, and obviously we wish them all the best. Um, and uh. I guess rest in peace, Telltale Games. Yeah. But not the management. Get out of the games industry, Telltale management. Forget the man. Mike, do you have anything to add? Like, Telltale really didn't have that much overhead either, thinking about it. And how did they lose that much money? I think they just overcommitted to way too many things, and they didn't have the bandwidth to support that. Yeah, they weren't a big studio. I mean, 300 people's pretty big. And they had... Yeah, but they had like eight different games coming out at the same time every year. That is true. Yeah, I, like, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, they just kept announcing announcing things like one game after another. Like at a certain point, I remember thinking like, how is how are they going to do all this? And it, I guess Telltale, the answer is that became, they couldn't. It became for Telltale a case of quantity over quality because all yeah, the games. I agree with that. Pretty much the same, and even like something Telltale was known for was branching paths. That went away. All the branching paths eventually ended in the same place anyway. Yeah. Sure, get the different place, but they all end the same because they had to have a sequel hook to make that more money. Yeah. Like, I've seen playthroughs of Telltale games. Like, the person will go a different way, still in the same way. That's another reason I feel like Telltale games probably hemorrhaged money. It was like, you could just watch a Let's Play and got yeah, the same experience. Absolutely. Actually, that's a huge thing we totally missed somehow. That's absolutely a huge uh, reason that 
they lost a lot of money. People could easily watch uh, their favorite Twitch streamer play a Telltale game or just watch the the entire thing on YouTube if they just want to get the story. Like, much more easily than they can just... Much more easily than a more gameplay-heavy game because there's no satisfaction out of, you know, actually playing the Telltale game. It's all just the story. So, you could just watch it. Like, that's why even though you have a narrative game... You still need some sort of gameplay, or else someone's gonna watch just watch Twitch stream of it, get the entire experience right there, or enough branching pathways yeah. of different endings that someone would be inclined to find the different endings. See, that's why I think um, a recent game that came out for PlayStation called Detroit became Become Human. Uh, I think that game did it quite well. There, there are so many different endings to that game. I think forty unique endings and. The branching pads are actually branching pads. Like you can skip entire sections of the game, um, and it, it kind of does the whole telltale narrative thing really well. It's like a, what a telltale, a polished AAA telltale game would look like. I think. Yeah, it's what a telltale game of quality. Looks. Yeah, I think I think it's just important to players that they're telling their own story at least at some point in the game. So, yeah, having a branching narrative is definitely key. And something like that, yeah. it, where you're going to take so much control away, you know? Right. I guess the way they were thinking about it was the end, like the major beats of the story will always be the same, but how you get there could be different. Well, we see how that worked for them. I think I still have one more critic, like Telltale in general. Like they found their formula with their first Walking Dead game and that game made it big. And then they didn't have the wherewithal to improve upon it or it changed up the formula anyway, anytime during the however many years they existed. They just kept turning out the same style of game. And it, yeah. it's kind of a warning. If you don't innovate or you don't change up and you just go for quantity, it's going to come back to bite you very quickly. Yeah. I, I think though they were trying to like carve out their own space, you know, like these are telltale games. These are our kind of games. And that's why they took on so many. They trying to make it like a name from the name for themselves that way. But yeah, didn't work out. Yeah. So, as always, we're going to end by talking about games we played or games we recommend. Uh, I can go first. I, let's see, I've actually been playing a lot of things recently, but I think I want to talk about uh, Marvel's Spider-Man for PS4. Um, That game looks amazing. Yeah, so Insomniac created a Spider-Man game for PlayStation 4. And uh, I'll let this quote from the the Marvel Games, like, head executive, um, this puts it best. This is the Iron Man one of the Marvel video game universe. Like this is the game that will set the precedent for Marvel games going forward. It is a high benchmark in quality and storytelling and gameplay. And it's just excellent on all fronts. And, um, it finally, like, it's been a long time since we've gotten, I think great Marvel superhero gameplay. Like I think the last great Marvel game was Spider-Man two for like the GameCube or something like that, right? Or the PS2, yeah? Right, yeah. Um, and this Spider-Man game just nails it on all fronts. The characters are great, well-developed. They like they grow really well. The story's really good. Good plot twists, good action, uh, great set pieces. P- this is the most likable incarnation of Peter Parker I've seen ever. Uh, like, I like this version of Peter Parker more than any of the any of the movies like including spider-man homecoming like this version of spider-man is my favorite spider-man really that's Um, high praise let's see what else um insomniac you know like insomniac 
as a developer, like, I feel like this was, they used this game to flex their wings at last and show what they're really capable of. And boy, are they capable of a lot. Like, there's boss battles in this game that are really cool and innovative. And there's there's just so much gameplay variety, too, in terms of, like, different things you can do with your web. But I think the biggest thing is just how they nailed swinging through New York is the most important component for any sort of Spider-Man, anything, I think. And they completely nailed it. Like, swinging through New York is, like, just about the most satisfying thing you can do in a game. There are times when I just boot up that game, don't really even do anything, just swing around in New York. Because, like, the the parkour system and the swinging is just that good. But, yeah, like, I absolutely loved it. I beat beaten it already uh you 100 percent it no there uh so you can finish the story in like if you just blast through the story it's like 15 to 20 hours i would say but if you want to do everything like that's like 40 hours so there's wow. there's there's plenty of stuff to do in the game and for fans of the comics and stuff like that there's like dozens of different costumes you can unlock so like it, it really is just a love letter to spider-man and more than anything, I'm so excited to see where this leads. Like, obviously, there's going to be a sequel, not just because it's now the fastest selling PlayStation exclusive of all time, but wow, it, really? Yeah. It also is evident through the story that they're clearly setting up things for a sequel. And I'd love to see where things go. I love these characters. And, um, and I'm also excited for the prospect of a Marvel game universe. Like, I think that's a really cool idea. And, like, now that finally Spider-Man has been done well, like, I see potential, like, Thor could be awesome, Captain America could be awesome, Iron Man. A good Iron Man game needs to be done. Yeah. Um, They they came very close on um, the Iron Man 1 movie game. Was very fun. Oh, really? Yeah, I found it very fun. It just really lacked content. Yeah. But... It was very short. uh, Going back to that quote from the Marvel Games guy, like... Insomniac set the bar and like this is what a Marvel games quality game should be like and now that Spider-Man has reached it I feel like we'll be seeing games like it for other Marvel properties very soon and I, I hope I so. can't wait for that to happen okay so the, yeah that that's that's the game I wanted to talk about what about you uh Connor uh, I've been playing Enter the Gungeon on my Nintendo Switch I kind of bought it on a whim because a YouTuber I watch uh picked it up but uh, it's just this game. Uh, you go to a place called the Gungeon, which is a big old dungeon with a bunch of guns in it. The enemies are bullets. Um, you pick up a ton of different guns to shoot. You're kind of managing ammo. And it's like a bullet hell kind of game. There's always a lot of bullets on the screen. It's it's a pretty good game. It's okay. It's like, I don't know. If you played a lot of The Binding of Isaac but eventually got sick of it, you might really like this. Um, or if you'd ever played the binding of Isaac, but it looked good. It's, it's, it's a lot like the binding of Isaac. It's a little different. Um, I don't think I like it as much. Uh, I don't like tracking ammo in it very much. The, the game feels very stingy with ammo. It's not really fun to run out of ammo on a gun you really like and have to switch back to like your starter pistol in the harder areas. And it's, it's not like, I don't know. Ammo conservation is like a huge part of the game. And I, I just don't like that very much, I don't think. But overall, the game's really fun. I like playing it. I like having a roguelike on my Switch that I can just sit down and play a round of. Uh, the humor is pretty good. A lot of references. Um, the lore is funny, but also like kind of interesting. It's a pretty good game. I'd give it like a 
6.5 out of 10, 6 out of 10, something like that. Pretty good. I don't regret buying it. I mean, I did see a speedrun of it, of it at, what was it, SGQ? And that, that runner just got completely screwed over in RNG. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot. It's It has this mechanic that's kind of unlike Isaac, where, like, even if you find a chest, that chest is useless to you unless you have a key. And I find that, I mean, I get it. I get what they're going for, but it's very frustrating to me. Uh, Michael? Uh, I'm just going to go with an old-fashioned one. Have I talked about Natural Selection 2 yet? I don't think so. Okay, I haven't. Okay. So, I haven't played this one in a while, but I feel like I have 23 hours into it, so I can talk about it a little bit. What was it called again? Natural Selection 2. It's a kind. Of, it's a multiplayer game, class-based, but it's unique in the fact that both sides play radically different from one another. Because you have one side, which is the Marines, and the Marines are your stereotypical FPS. You have a gun, you have mechs, you have all this other stuff. It's really boring to play. But then you have the alien side. And boy, is that fun. Because you start out as like a little shulk. You run around, you bite things. You get shot, you probably die, you move real quick. It's very movie-based. Then you can evolve into something much more powerful. You can evolve into a big one that just runs in and just wrecks people, if you really wanted to. It's hard to explain is there, a, uh, real quick, Michael, is there only one monster in this game, or is it a team of monsters? No, there it's a team. It is a team of monsters. It's not It's not a fight, it's an even teams. It's a team-based shooter, basically. Okay, I was getting it confused with Evolve. It's definitely not uh, like Evolve. It's like Evolve, but, you know, even. But it also has this unique RTS layer, where you have a commander who determines whether or not you win the game or not. Because <laughs> they're in charge of building all the buildings that allow you to do stuff. But instead of being like a standard RTS where the commander commands the units, the units are the players. So you basically guide them in a direction. They capture an area, you build a base there, and it works off of that. The alien side kind of just builds these organic hives, and there's like this kind of organic goo that spreads out as they build forward. It's great. I'm a, I'm a hardcore alien player, so... It's, it's a fun game. It's really difficult like you're still considered new at the game at 100 hours jeez so it takes a lot of time to learn especially the aliens did you say this was free to play because no okay. it's, uh how much is it i'm taking the store right now it's not expensive it's a lot of fun to play though uh it is 10 bucks okay i'd recommend it it's so 100 hours before it. you can consider yourself learned yes that's, that's you're still crazy. a new guy for until you still have the newbie tag until about 100 hours in so it's that it has that much of a learning curve, but I picked it up pretty quick. Playing as like the Onos is fun, and the Onos is the big tank. Very expensive in terms of resources, which is gained by the RTS element. Uh, my personal favorite is the Lurk, which can fly and is just a pain to fight because it can fly in, shoot some needles at you, and run away. You have the Fades, which are your assassins. You have the Gorges, which are your supports. They build tunnels and stuff, and are your healers, but it's, it's fun. I'd recommend the game. I've had a lot of fun playing it, and now I want to play it again. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, I think that's going to round us up for this week. I realize we took an extended break, but I think we'll be sticking around for the foreseeable future and uh, looking forward to doing this again next week, guys. Yeah.